1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly.
0: Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
0: Is that Shakespeare?
1: Nope, it's Geico. Uh,
0: yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished
1: works.
2: Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC Chicago, still quarantining in Bourbon A, Illinois. And with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 the score and the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. Jay's in Homewood, Illinois.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably
1: enjoying his secret stash of uh Girl Scout cookies, I'd imagine, because he's, you know, got the inside hookup on those, and uh I could uh, use a
2: s'more right about now. I miss them.
1: How are you doing, Jay?
2: I'm doing good, man. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to talk to you. We've actually got some Hawks stuff to discuss today, which is exciting. The Hawks are a playoff team again, it appears. We've got to talk about the follow-up of the Akeem Alou story that came out earlier this week, and the Blackhawks let go of a pair of goalies today uh unofficially but it's coming the, the story sort of surfaced today so we'll get into that as well first I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast you can follow us on twitter at madhousepod email us madhousepod at gmail.com we're on instagram at madhouse underscore pod I keep threatening to do more on the instagram and I keep failing to do that and then we're on facebook at facebook.com slash madhouse hockey there's some weird madhouse podcast comedy show That was made, like, (laughs) hasn't updated since 2017 that owned the Madhouse pod on Facebook. So I'm trying to get it from them, but who cares? You just search for it on Facebook and you can find it very, very easily. Yeah, you'll
1: find us.
2: Yeah, we're not hard to find. All right, so uh, as we said to start the show, it looks like the NHL is getting close to uh, a 24-team conference-based playoff format for the potential restart of the 2019-20 season. What does that mean for the Blackhawks? Well, good question. So the way this would work is the top four seeds in each conference would have a bye. In the West, that's the Blues, the Avs, the Golden Knights, and the Stars. In the East, it's the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, and Flyers. Then the 5 through 12 seeds would all play in a five-game play-in series. That means your Chicago Blackhawks are the 12 seed and would face off against the Edmonton Oilers, in a five-game playoff play-in series. Stan Bowman's job is safe. The Blackhawks made the playoffs. You can't fire him when he makes the playoffs. End of story.
1: Well, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I changed my <laughs> mind. I'm done.
2: All right. Talk to you later. Good,
1: <laughs> good, good talk. talking can handle the rest of this. Um, okay. So, I don't know. Do you want to just go, like, you know what, let's start with the format itself. What do you think of the format?
2: I love it. I love it. Give me all the give me all the wacky twists and turns you can. I, I think it's great. And what's great for the Hawks in that is like in a five game series, the best team doesn't always win. I think in a seven game series, for the most part, you can count on the better team winning. But look, you get a hot Corey Crawford for a couple games, or you get Patrick Kane on fire or whatever, and they can win that series. And who knows what it's going to mean for their long-term playoff hopes. But look, aside from the really elite teams in the West, the Blues, the Avalanche, is there that big of a gap between all these teams? Like when you talk about the Oilers, the Predators, you know, even Arizona, Winnipeg, they're all pretty good. You can make a case for them going pretty far in the playoffs. So um, I think once they get in, all bets are off. I just... You know, I just want to see it. And still, we should be clear here that just because this proposal is floating around, it hasn't been approved. The Players Association would have to agree. They'll have to come up with a testing program. You know, they're going to have to find the host cities. I heard rumors today that they're talking about Vegas and Columbus. I think it might make sense to do it in Canada as Canada seems to have the virus under better control, maybe in Calgary and Montreal or something like that. So that's but they also
1: gonna... have stricter protocols
2: in place, right? So,
1: which is also a potential issue if their players are not allowed to uh, cross the border. But obviously, that's way off in the future, likely in, June's, or in July, so that's probably something that will hopefully get worked out by then if that's going to be a stumbling block to this whole thing.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of things to get through here, but the good news is there seems to be at least some sort of semblance of... A plan here. And this is what things could look like when, when hockey comes back. And to me, it's really exciting. And I think I'm just going to caveat the whole conversation with as long as it's safe. And you could just plug that before every statement I make from here on out. Uh, it could be really cool. And when I, I said this on Locked On this morning, this is forcing leagues to be creative. And typically when people are forced to be creative, some pretty cool some pretty unique ideas can come out of it and this idea from the NHL is about as concrete an idea as I've seen in any sport and I like it. it and selfishly as a Hawks fan it's I like that they settled at 24 and there's no coincidence to that 24 that means there's 12 teams in each conference that means Chicago the 12 and Montreal the 12 are in that's not just a random number <laughs> yeah. They they saw where those two huge markets suddenly became playoff teams and that's why they like that number.
1: Okay, so obviously I'm going to echo your sentiments about the virus. If there obviously is safe there have to be safety protocols in place, testing protocols in place. The one thing I did not see in Elliot Friedman's reporting on this plan is what happens if a player or a staffer tests positive for coronavirus do you shut down the entire tournament because because you're going to have these two hubs and so ostensibly these two teams are go- or these teams are going to be in close proximity with one another that intrigues me like what happens if somebody tests positive for this virus like that that could obviously throw a wrench into the whole thing like this there seems to be a lot of kind of hopeful thinking that that won't happen putting them all in the same um, hubs like this that that to me is a fascinating thing because if you have that positive test it's not like you can say oh we'll just put it on hold for a week you're already doing this in mid July you're already likely pushing next season back to get this tournament done so that's one thing that i really want to see the league make sure that there is a concrete plan in place if somebody tests positive the other two things all right i have to be i have to be the wet blanket here i'm sorry Does a 24-team random free-for-all tournament in two hubs cheapen at all the idea of winning a Stanley Cup championship? Is there going to be an asterisk put next to the team that wins this thing? Will fans look at the team differently that wins the Stanley Cup in this whole kind of free-for-all crazy fest? Like, is that going to be something that you're going to have – In the back of your mind, or are you just going to be happy enough that hockey is back and hockey is being played on your TV that it's not going to bother you? That's something that I think of with this, and it's something that I'm kind of wrestling with and haven't really come down on, you know, on one side or the other. So it's not like I can give a, you know, a flaming hot take like, this Stanley Cup will be tainted or whatever. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm merely putting it out there as a possibility the one thing I am comfortable saying is that I really worry that with two and a half months or, or with two months already gone past and then ostensibly sensibly another month and a half before guys start training again, I'm worried about guys getting hurt, that the NHL is going to put these guys back out into highly competitive situations and they're not going to be physically fit enough not in hockey shape enough and they're going to get hurt and it's going to hurt the product going into next season and that is something that's giving me pause and making me wonder I want hockey back as much as anybody but is that enough of a concern to just say you know what let's punt on this season and go to next year
2: well all right you brought up a couple things there so as far as the asterisk goes I say no because Yes, it's a weird way in, but it is still a real playoff. So if the Hawks get in as the 12 seed, they could argue that, look, we didn't have a regular season to, to play out all 82 games, which is what the season is, and earn a playoff spot. We were not mathematically eliminated. So we, while we didn't have that opportunity, we had this opportunity. We beat the five seed Oilers, and we're in. And if they win the Stanley Cup, which won't happen, but you know what I'm saying, they still went through. All those teams that were on top of the standings what going So as far as that goes, no. As far as the injury thing, they're going to have to have some sort of training camp or preseason or something to get guys somewhat ready for the game. And, yes, of course, guys have been training and getting ready. We all saw a Duncan Keith uh, sweaty Instagram post er, and Twitter post the other day. Guys are working out. Guys are staying prepared. They're ready to play. But it's different from playing in a game. So I think there's going to have to be at least, what, three or four preseason games and practices in between to get these guys ready for what is going to be playoff hockey. They're going to have to jump in and immediately start with the intensity. And that reminds me of the 2013 NHL season that was shortened due to the work stoppage. And from jump, every team was like, boom, let's go. It was almost like a playoff season the whole year and if you remember the Hawks got off to a historic tear that season because they knew like we got to establish our playoff spot early they absolutely did What was it, like 23 or 24 games they went without losing in regulation or something like that um, so it's going to be all out intense right away and yeah there's probably going to be a little bit of fallout from that injury wise but I think again if it's safe that's a better scenario than just giving the Stanley Cup to whichever team had the best record, which would be the Bruins, mm-hmm. or just not, not handing it out at all. Yeah, because then what? Then it's all for nothing. And you talked to, like, Kelvin Nahan, who went through another surgery for nothing. And, you know, I think trying –
1: Again, if, not like the Blackhawks would have won the Cup anyway.
2: Sure, but it's I think it's – if it's possible to do, they should do it. And, of course, there's it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be ideal – but if they can find a way to make it happen, they should absolutely do it. And, and I like the fact that the NHL is actually they are doing a pretty good job here with the innovation of this thing. I'm pretty pleased with it. I'm pretty surprised with how, how well thought out at least this part of the plan is. Now the really important part of the plan is next. What's that going to look like? I'm a little less confident about their ability to make that happen, but we'll see. So far, so good. Should
1: I bring up the... I I guess it would be the swollen elephant in the room that the last time the NHL kind of faced a crisis involving a disease, it didn't really acquit itself very well. Do I I need to bring up the mumps thing?
2: I think that it's different leadership now than what the leadership was during the mumps crisis. I don't think Gary Bettman and company were in charge then. I could be wrong.
1: (laughs) No, when Sidney Crosby had
2: mumps. Oh, yeah.
1: All that stuff happened.
2: Oh, God, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's see, I I think that they're you know, they're talking to scientists. They're I'm sure this is like a huge, like, oh god, if we screw this up kind of thing, that's really it. We can't, you know, oh L O L NHL, you know, you can't just like kind of laugh it off. Like, this is obviously deadly serious stuff. You do not want staff or trainers or players getting this disease. Like, I'm really Curious to see how they're going to handle it. I'm not saying, like, oh, this mumps thing is entirely indicative of how the NHL handles anything. But it's like, you know, the NHL tends to screw things up. Even if it's, like, in subtle ways, they're kind of the bumbling, like, slightly drunk uncle of the sports leagues, I feel like. <laughs> yes. They, I, I do, like, I – let me say this. I am confident that they are going – to come up with a very detailed plan and they're going to take every precaution possible. I will say that, but I still want to know what happens if somebody tests positive like that to me, that's going to be the breaking point of the plan for me is what happens in that situation. And back to the injury thing, I will say that it is similar to how short the preseason really is in hockey. I mean, training camps only what? two weeks at the start of the year like it's generally pretty short they pack the preseason games until a really tightly condensed schedule at the end of September beginning of October so I get the similarity there and yes it is similar to what happened in that January of 2013 year when the Blackhawks went 24 straight games without losing like yes that is you are 100% right and that is definitely something I'm taking into consideration with that the other side of that, too, do you worry about quality of play? Like, that's that's something to me. Do I really want to watch a bunch of sloppy hockey on what's probably going to be pretty bad ice, considering we're playing in the middle of July? Like, in addition to the injury concerns, I'm just wondering if, are we going to see these guys at their best? And I think the answer to that is probably an obvious no.
2: Well, you're probably right and whatever we see in any sort of sports is going to be different this year like there's no doubt about it if the perfect product is not going to come back this year hell fans might not be allowed in buildings next year either so let's just not assume this is a one-year thing there of course it's not going to be perfect it's not going to look great it's not ideal it's not an 82 game season in the playoffs but on the other hand yeah, there might be some rink rust or whatever you want to call it, but you've got guys who are rested and who can play longer and who aren't as dinged up as they would be during a typical playoff run. So maybe yeah. it offsets. By the way, uh,
1: Good, I, that's a great point, by the way, Jay. I will definitely give you a lot of points to your argument for that.
2: Damn right you will. Uh, our buddy <laughs> <laughs> our buddy Chris Hubble at Triple Threat Sports, they have been churning out masks nonstop uh, over the last few months, and now they have plain masks in stock ready for immediate pickup and Orland Park. They're $7 each. 12 colors are currently available. They are also doing the custom orders. So reach out to Triple Threat Sports, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreadsports.com Here's some info. Single pleat made of heavyweight but breathable 8-ounce 50-50 poly cotton blend. There's a pocket at the bottom of the mask where you can insert another piece of material, paper towel, coffee filter, unscented dryer sheet, etc., for an additional disposable layer of protection it's heavy duty reusable and can be washed at home so hit up our friends at triple threat sports they can even accommodate large art orders uh, up to ten thousand. so if you need a bunch of masks hit them up again 708-478-6090 or send a pm to christopher hubble on twitter on facebook rather or to triple threat sports and get your mask you need it if you don't have one by now what are you even doing get don't stay home until you get one of these you fool all right so thanks to triple threat sports for uh shutting down their sports press and opening up their mask press and really stepping up and this is great because it's keeping their employees and their seamstresses employed and working during this hard time so we talk about supporting small business like our restaurant friends at mariska's and fry the coop and chucks triple threat sports is another small business that maybe isn't top of mind for people support them get the mask you need even if it's one it helps Triple Threat Sports stay open, and that's what's important during this time. James, you want to take? a Do quick... you
1: have a favorite mask? By the way, that, I do have to ask you that before we go to break. Do I don't you have like, I,
2: I don't do wear a multiple lo- masks, or I have one that my uh, my friend ordered a bunch from a seamstress in our town. This is, I mean, this is like right when it started, and she just gave me like a random one. It's sky blue, and it has like little tiny like American flag patterns on it. And it fits me perfectly. I love it. But it's the same exact style that Chris is making. Uh, but I'm looking at his website here. There's a Notre Dame one. I see a Spider-Man one. Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks. Even like uh, local teams are giving him their logos, and he's doing that. I see a Hello Kitty one. Superman, an Iron Maiden, Led Zeppelin. So whatever you want Ooh. on the mask, Chris can do. So, yeah, hit him up, triplethreatsports.com. Get your masks. Uh, James, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we're going to talk about Akeem Aliou. Writing for the Players' Tribune about his time uh, in the minor leagues earlier this season, he kind of shined a light on Bill Peters and some of the abuse he had undergone during his career. And a former Hawk maybe chimed in? We'll fill you in next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller,
2: I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber.
0: Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school, and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4.
2: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and FrytheCoop.com. They are open. They are churning out orders left and right. I went there last week after golfing, which was amazing. Uh, Just a perfect day on the golf. Well, I golfed like crap, but I got to have Fry the Coop after I golf, which made it all worth it. Uh, They are open in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town. The downtown one on Wall Street Market is closed uh, for the time being, but the other locations are working hard. And what does Fry the Coopie ask? Well, that's a hell of a question you ask me. It's only the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever had. It's absolutely incredible. You can get the Nashville fried chicken sandwich, the chicken and cheese sandwich, the spicy butter fried chicken sandwich. How about the donut fried chicken sandwich, which is fried chicken, pickles, special sauce, all between a glazed donut? Yeah. Not into hot food, they've got the country, which is not heat, not heated at all. You want to like maybe go to the hospital after eating Fry the Coop? Order the Little Insanity or the Crazy. There's two levels beyond hot, and when I eat the hot, I start seeing things. So whatever your taste for hot is, Fry the Coop has it covered. Hit them up at frythecoop.com. You can order online. Every location has a pickup window. They are handling this pandemic perfectly. Proud to be sponsored with them. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. James, Akeem Alou wrote for the Players' Tribune this week, and uh, there is a bit of a Blackhawks connection to it, aside from the fact that he was a Blackhawks draft pick.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, aside from the Blackhawks draft pick, of course. But, like, it just – there was a – the article essentially was um, him going into greater detail about some of the challenges that he faced when he was – Playing in junior hockey, we all know uh, Akeem's stories about um, dealing with coaches, with Bill Peters and others, and he went into greater detail. And I think the the ultimate takeaway from this is his comments when he said the NHL's title for their annual diversity campaign is hockey is for everyone. It makes me crack up because right now hockey is not for everyone. And then he details uh, some of the things that he went through when he was a junior player in the WHL, or sorry, the OHL. Whichever, sorry, one of those leagues. OHL. Oh, there are too many of them in Canada, dang it. OHL. Oh, You're right. Okay, so it's OHL. Uh, and his, and the big, uh, obviously, he was discussing some of the incidents that had occurred, and he said... There's a paragraph here that I want to read to kind of set the scene for uh, some of the things that you know, were to come for him. That The same kid, the guy who went on to play over 400 game, NHL games, came up to me a few days after I refused to take part in this horrific ritual, which, by the way, involves stripping naked on a bus, and tapped me on the shoulder during a practice. I turned and he shoved his fiberglass stick through my mouth. I lost seven teeth. In half a second, blood gushing down my chest and into my pants. And that was when I knew, this game, it's not for me. It never has been. And I knew another thing. I had to fight for my life. So he talked about his experiences in Windsor. He did end up naming names in the story about the people that had done some of these things to him. And it's just, it's remarkable to me, like, reading this story and... I think you and I kind of came away with the same conclusion about it, which is pretty simple, honestly. And that is there is something systemically and endemically wrong about the game. If that kind of thing is maybe not necessarily like acceptable in the broader sense of things, like people say all the right things about it, but there is something about the culture that encourages it. And there's really been nothing Honestly, done to stop it from happening, and it definitely is a moment where we really are going to have to like reflect on this and really kind of you know figure out what this means for hockey, and more importantly, what we need to do to stop it from happening in the future.
2: Well, look, denying there's a problem is putting your head in the sand, and part of this is the economic demographics of hockey for the most part. To be a successful NHL-level hockey player, you have to come from a bit of money to pay for ice time, to pay for equipment, to pay for the travel, all the things that it takes to become a high-end hockey prospect, That it takes cash to do that. To be honest with you, if my daughter wanted to excel at hockey right now as a 10-year, she's going to turn 10 tomorrow, happy birthday, Addie, by the way. If she wanted to take hockey to like college or beyond that, like I don't know if I can afford to do that. And we own a home. We're living suburbia. We're not. We're not poor by any means. You have to be somewhat affluent to make hockey work, to get your kids to that level. For the most part, the really, really great ones can find a way. But the vast majority of players, even the ones in the NHL, come from pretty high-end families. You know, they or, or families make huge sacrifices to get their kids in the league. Because of that the demographics culturally of the game are they're not very diverse and it's not a game that is there's not a lot of african americans or latinos or whatever playing hockey for myriad reasons and whereas if you're playing baseball or football or basketball or whatever chances are you're going to have some people on your team that don't look like you but these kids growing up playing hockey everyone's like them. And I grew up, I'm going to point the thumb at myself. I grew up in Oakland. I grew up in a lily white neighborhood. I did not know a black guy until I got to high school. My high school was maybe 3% African-American was a higher percentage of Latinos, but my worldview was my tiny little world of Oakland. And that's the reality for a lot of people. And you have to sort of learn empathy and understanding and try to put yourself in the shoes of other people but for what Akeem Alou is outlining is not unique to him. He just has the nerve to speak up about it. You don't think Dustin Bufflin heard this stuff on the ice all the time? You don't think Jerome McGinley heard it? You don't think Jamal Mayers heard it? All these guys hear, hear that word all the time. And I'm glad that Akeem Alou stepped up and said something. And it's sad that a lot of people are saying, like, oh, you know, he's, now he's just, his 15 minutes are over and he's trying to get, you know, He's trying to to get fame. Look, this all came from, wasn't the original, the origin of this was a tweet that he sent that uh, he doesn't have a lot of followers. He's a Kimalu. He's a minor league hockey player. He just randomly, I think, replied to a tweet, right? That that was the origin of this. He's out here looking for fame or fortune. What's he going to get from that? Even after this incident and after the Players' Tribune article, he has 10,000 Twitter followers. I assure you, when he wrote that that post, it was in the hundreds. So to, to think he's doing it for publicity is shameful. And uh, look, I think James and I, we've been called social justice warriors on this podcast many times and whatever you want to say, fine. But just put yourself in the shoes of other people and be open-minded when someone tells you something's a problem. I think it is a problem and I think the league, I don't know how they address it because you put a bunch of eighteen to twenty-five year old dudes in a classroom and teach them sensitivity training. Does that really work, right? Does mm-hmm. that really does that really have an impact on guys? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I know things need to change. The way he
1: made it seem like when he is when he got to the AHL, yeah, he still had to deal with some of that from other guys, but it really boiled down to the people who were in power over him too, and he he especially he had already done this in the past, so I feel comfortable kind of going and going ahead and saying the coach's name. It was Bill Peters. It was right. the former Hawks coach. Later was the head coach. Uh, lost his job this season because of these types of allegations. And he went into detail in the piece about how Peters called him the N-word over and over again. And he basically acted like it was nothing. And Akeem said that he felt like it stripped him of his humanity to make make him feel like he was nothing. Like it's this idea that this powerful figure who basically is the one guy who can say to the NHL team, like, Hey, this guy is ready to play at the NHL level or no, he's not. And he's stuck with this choice because this coach can basically make or break his future. Does he stand up for himself or does he not? And he details the struggle involved with that He does say during the article that Jake Dowell tried to confront uh, Bill Peters about the behavior, but there's only so much that you can do as a young player. And I thought that it just – it really spells out well the idea of just complete powerlessness. And the – basically just Bill Peters was drunk with power, knew that nobody was going to do anything to him, and so he was able to do anything that he wanted. His position emboldened him to do terrible things, and I think that it just—it's so heartbreaking to read all of that, and it makes you realize just how deep-rooted these issues are in hockey. And I totally agree with you, Jay. I think we spend so much time, like you know, with people who are like, "No, oh, he's just doing it for a paycheck. Oh, he's just doing it. He's gonna cash in and write a book or whatever." And the reality is, we need to spend just as much if not more time looking at ourselves in the mirror and looking at our game through you know 2020 glasses no rose colored spectacles here and really see whether or not we can fix these issues that are so deeply ingrained in the game that we love
2: and if you're doubting by the way and I don't think many people listening are but if you're unsure in this article Akeem Alou shares what maybe half a dozen screenshots of some social media posts he's gotten. Uh, Every single one of them has the N word in it. Um, Go back where you came from, go back to the ghetto, you piece of shit. Um, It's just ridiculous. And it's over and over and over again, relentlessly in his private messages and everywhere. It's, it's really, really bad. It's really, really ugly. And uh, look, maybe the worst people are the most vocal, but what Akimulu says in here is for every one vocal racist, there's a thousand silent ones and um that's the reality that that he that he's living with and uh it's sad and hopefully you know and i know that for akeem things are probably going to get worse before they get better because now this article came out and he's going to get a bunch more because people you know the uh the the news cycle moved on and now he's back in it so those messages are going to start up again and it's just it's just sad but hopefully by standing up, by being one of the first people to say, "Hey, look, this is a real thing. This is a real problem," uh, hopefully it leads to some change. And I hope that when it's all said and done, it, it feels worth it for Akeem. I I hope it does. And you brought up a great point too. Like I remember when he was drafted, and you started to hear some of the things like, "Oh, you know, he seems like a, a an impressive prospect. Like he looks the part. We saw him in some prospects camp, and he looked like a you can look at guys and say that's an NHL player." And Akeem Alou had that look, and you always heard like, oh, you know, he's got a bit of an attitude problem, and, eh, you know, there's a little bit of concern about his, his uh, character and things like that. Well, when you're constantly being berated and nudged and peppered and teased and made fun of, you're going to snap eventually. It's going to happen, and then as soon as he does it, as soon as he turns around and is not participating in the hazing or is not participating in the little, air quotes, jokes, about him and he can't take out quote ball busting he's the bad guy he's the one that's got a bad attitude and a bad personality I can't imagine how many players in the league this has happened to and it's not just a white or black thing we've all look anyone who's played sports has seen it where guys get teased every now and again someone's gonna snap every now and again someone's not gonna take it anymore and they somehow come out looking like the bad guy. And it's it's unbelievable. Like, oh come on, you can't take a joke. Be one of the guys. Well when it's constant, when it's nonstop ridicule, sometimes it's hard to take. So man, I'm proud of Akeem Alou for doing this. I I don't know if I would if I was in his shoes, if I would have the guts to do this and to name names, that is ballsy, man. That is Yeah I, I respect the hell out of it and good luck to him. I hope it works out and I hope that the trolls that w- will inevitably get to him uh, don't affect him too much because uh, what he's doing is incredibly brave. And uh, look, just like Robin Leonard did when he wrote about his struggles for the Players Tribune, uh, you know, that was a brave thing, too. And Akeem Alou did the same thing. But speaking of Robin Leonard, this sort of ties in a little bit. So this article, the Akeem Alou article, was written or published anyway on May 19th. Later that day, Robin Leonard sent out a tweet. It says, in the worst time of my life, I blamed everyone else and always had an excuse for my problems. Wasn't until I took ownership of my mistakes and looked within, I transformed my life to what it is today. When I asked for forgiveness by God, I instantly let go of the hate for others. A lot of people took that as sort of a sub-tweet to the Akeem Alou thing. And Robin Leonard, being who he is, is never shy. On Twitter so when people had called him out on it he immediately responded and said that's not what I'm saying I'm not referring to that it's a totally different thing but uh there was definitely some controversy when he sent that tweet the morning Kim uh published that story
1: yeah I'm not a big believer in just sheer coincidence yeah that's not something that I mean it's that was the first thought I had too we had a actually we had a listener who pointed it out to us and I was just like oh that's not great um and then of course you know there's so many people who are like oh he's clearly just talking about himself you're trying to assign meaning to something and it's just like you know sometimes the timing just works out too perfectly for something to just be a coincidence I don't know if I feel strongly one way or the other and I also am not it's not like it's overly surprising either, you know, like it's a lot of NHL guys are of that mindset that, you know, you just, you know, grin and bear it and deal with your own house and don't, you know, bust toss people or whatever the opinion is. It it seems like a fairly, it does. It seems like a fairly common attitude among uh, NHL players at least. And so I'm not going to sit here and, say that robin leonard like 100 percent, absolutely subtweeted Akeem Alou and it was wrong and whatever else i'm just saying like based on just the facts of the matter it seems like he probably did but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna flame him because what what good's it
2: gonna do well at best it's bad timing and what you're referring to is like the bootstraps mentality like oh well just work harder and everything will be fine like eh. It doesn't work that way. You know, that's that's a very famous calling card of people who don't want to consider that there might be some reality to the things that that Akeem Alou and people like him are going through. So um, and that's sort of what if Robin Leonard was indeed referring to Alou, that's kind of what he's saying is like, oh, you know, just 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 power through it. Well, it's not always that simple for everybody. So I don't know. At best, it's poor timing or unfortunate timing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you leave yourself open for speculation, especially when it was seemingly out of nowhere the morning that story was published and we know he saw it cause he wrote for the player's tribune famously. I am not going to say one way or the other, what he meant. Cause I don't, I don't know what he had in his heart or in his head when he wrote it. Um, but it's yeah. just, it's unfortunate that we even have to have the consideration that that would be, you know, but since he's been called out on it, he's done everything he can to say, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Um, right. so who knows? It's just—it uh, sucks. It's a crappy story on all levels, and uh, hopefully, something positive comes from this eventually.
1: We just ask that everybody—I—I I think we ask always, always what our constant refrain is. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing it. Is before you rush to judgment, one way or the other, just put yourself in his shoes. Imagine what that would be like as a young hockey player you know like you said Jay not like you're looking around on the team and seeing a lot of other people who have similar life experiences to what you have and it it's in a similar viewpoint really on life itself and it's just it's it's hard to imagine going through that as a young hockey player and it's my hope that all of our listeners can just put themselves in his shoes and imagine what it was like to go through that and then from there to try to make sure that your own biases aren't you know coloring your you know viewpoint of this whole thing, and just to hopefully we can all like agree that hockey needs to be cleaned up, that this kind of thing should not be encouraged to happen, whether you know subconsciously or consciously, and we can move forward and we can make this sport better. I think that's what Akeem Alou ultimately wants to do, and I hope that in the end he's ultimately successful. It's gonna take a lot, I think, to do it, but this is. It's a good step to me, and reading this really made me realize again just how important it is.
2: No doubt. All right. We have some uh, on ice news to talk about a little bit, too. And I know that this is kind of a drag, and there's enough drag going on in the world. So uh, let's get to that. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They're family owned and operated since 1933, and they're still open, too. Taking orders, uh, takeout orders, all those things. So don't if you've been creating that boy sandwich, Hit them up at it Mariska's. It's just the poor boys, the burgers, the chops, the seafood, everything there is terrific. So like we've said from the beginning, go support small businesses. Marishka's qualifies as one of those. They are our day one sponsor of this podcast. So we want to support them as much as we can. So hit them up, com or Facebook.com slash That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Go visit them in Crest Hill and have one of the best meals of your life all right Scott Powers of the Athletic reported on Thursday that the Blackhawks will not sign goaltending prospects Alexis Gravel and Wooter Peters uh to entry-level deals before June 1st and allow their NHL rights to expire Peter's not a huge not a huge surprise uh hasn't been great hasn't really been on the radar of the Blackhawks since they drafted him uh but Gravel a little more of a surprise to me led the uh the Halifax Mooseheads to the President's Cup final uh in 2018-19 had a bit of a down year this year but uh, was dealing with an injury he had a shard of glass in his foot Ugh. um Yuck. but yeah just letting him go so they have high hopes for Kevin Lankinen and uh and Colin Delia I don't know it's it's just kind of weird like I, you can never have too many goalies in the system And Gravel, to me, always looked good in preseason games and things like that. Kind of looked the part as, you know, the starter in Rockford slash emergency backup type. I wondered what the plan is in goal.
1: Well, also don't forget they also signed Matt Tompkins to a two-year entry-level deal as well. Right. Or two-year two-way deal, sorry. Um, Yeah, they've got... A lot of uh, goaltending depth in their system right now, so you can kind of make some tough decisions on guys like that. I am a little bit shocked that they decided to go this direction with Alexis Gravel. Didn't have a great season last year. I was just looking up his stats, and I believe he had almost four goals against average. Last season, I thought that, that it was obviously not probably going to work out in terms of being an NHL in NHL. But it's interesting to me that with the decision coming up on Corey Crawford and with the Blackhawks potentially deciding whether or not to hold on to uh, Malcolm Subban after this season, there's going to be a lot of change going on in the Blackhawks' uh, goal. And I'm wondering if they're going to go out of agency and try to get somebody. But as we discussed, ad nauseum when Robin Leonard was on the team, it's not like there are that many options out there. So, I my guess still is that Colin Delia backs up Corey Crawford next season. I would think that that's going to be what the Blackhawks decide to do. But you know these these moves are not hugely surprising to me. They still have a ton of depth on their blue line. Well, I not can, blue line in their crease. You know what I meant. Yes,
2: of course. I blue can, paint, blue, blue line, whatever <laughs> in the blue area. I hear <laughs> ref people screaming at us from our car. What about Askarov? Well, yes. If you don't know yaroslav askarov will be in the nhl draft whenever that happens and is considered to be the best goalie prospect and sometimes and in some time and when we look at prospect look lists our guys in mckean's hockey have him ranked 12th he is a number one rated goalie european goalie by nhl central scouting number 10 by elite prospects.com number 11 by future considerations that's right about where the hawks are picking so that's not that's a possibility if the, I don't know, though, if Sam Bowman feeling like his job is on the line is going to draft a developmental goalie when it feels like he needs to win. Now, that said, Bowman, when his job has been on the line, at least in our minds, has gone with some unconventional picks and things you wouldn't expect him to do. So who knows? But that's a name to keep an eye on Yaroslav Askarov. He was the goalie in St. Petersburg of the SKA last season, and I've seen him called the next carry price. So who knows? Maybe the Hawks are thinking goalie in the draft, but I think it's a little early to connect those dots because who knows within you know the next two or three months right. before the draft where things are going to slip, whatever. So You
1: want to do a uh, trivia question real quick, Jay? Sure. Can you name the NHL goalie who was drafted in the first round that played the most career NHL games?
2: NHL goalie drafted in the first round to play the most NHL games. Um, let me think. Give me, a, can you give me an era or is that giving it away?
1: Uh, he was drafted in 1990 and he had quite a long career.
2: Roberto Luongo? No, he's actually
1: second. He played one. He was he was drafted in I believe 1997. Yeah, I you
2: said say. 1990, and I my brain took me to 2000. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Uh, I don't um, know. I give Mark up.
1: Andrei, Mark Andre is number four on the list. He was the number one pick, I believe, in 02. <laughs> Martin Brodeur, oh, well, was, was the number was a first round draft pick, and he played 1,266 career games. He was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good uh, career for him. I was thinking to myself, I was like, how many like first round goalie picks have actually had like legit Hall of Fame type careers? Like, been you know that level of elites. It's not an incredibly long list. No. Uh, cu- currently in the NHL, marc Andre Fleury was the number one pick. Carey Price, or well, number first round pick, obviously. Carey Price, the first round pick. Tuukka Rask was a first round pick. I did not remember that Devin Dubnik was a first-round pick, but apparently he was.
2: Devin Dubnik, that's right. He was a first-round pick.
1: Uh, Semyon Varlamov, Corey Schneider, and Jonathan Bernier all also first-round picks.
2: Goalies are hard to predict. It's tough because a lot of these guys are playing in different leagues, and the the level of defense is different. And uh, it's just, it's really hard. To me, it's really difficult to evaluate a goalie. And I will say one thing for Stan Bowman. He's done a pretty good job. He seems to have a pretty good feel for goaltending. Um, That's never really been a huge problem of the Hawks has been their organizational goaltending. They've always had a solid starter with a good backup most of the time. And then, you know, I I don't know, is Dealey ready for full-time backup duty next year? I don't know. Maybe they see Lankanen as more of a developmental guy, so they want to give him more time as the starter in Rockford. So if they see him as a potential Corey Crawford replacement, which I think is a little premature, um, but they probably want to play him as much as they can. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out if even Corey Crawford is back next year. Which That's, is,
1: yeah, I am about to say we're making an assumption here.
2: Yeah, definitely. It, we're definitely doing that. So I don't know. The goalie situation shaking out is going to be one to watch whenever the offseason is. <laughs> we have no idea when that will be. But uh, it's going to be interesting, man, and I, you know, I'm excited about the prospect of hockey coming back um, again with all safety precautions being in place. Bring it on! Uh, but man, there's so much that's going to happen in such a short time. Once things do come back, it's going to be like waking up from a nap and having to, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to make a bad analogy here, but run a marathon. It's just, it's, it's going to be weird. So, uh, but I can't wait. Let's bring sports back as, as long as the doctors and scientists say so. And only when the doctors and scientists say so.
1: Are we going to do uh, hot mic broadcasts when the Blackhawks are in the playoffs and getting thumped uh, by the Oilers?
2: Absolutely. I would do that. Yes, for sure. Because I'm not going to be on the score then. I don't There think. you go. See? So, yeah. Well, we should...
1: oh, are you going to be doing uh, post-game shows?
2: No, I doubt that. Okay. But uh, if I am, I'll be probably doing them from home. <laughs> so he Good theoretically point. could do a hot mic and i'm just like all right see you and go on the air at the score so i don't that know that would
1: be hilariously funny i think that should happen mitch rosen if you're listening <laughs> he's make not. that happen
2: i promise you he's not all right well that's <laughs> going to do it for uh, today's edition of the manhouse chicago hockey podcast need to shout out our friends at chuck southern comforts cafe yep they're still running curbside pickup delivery whatever you need chuckscafe.com the mexican the barbecue the uh cajun food the desserts oh my god everything at chuck's is amazing and it is almost saturday that's the cochinita pibil special my friends that's what you're going to want to try but everything there is terrific i always talk up their jambalaya i have been craving that lately i have not been able to get out to chuck's because they i'm like sort of away from chuck's now that was like the one bad part about moving from payless to homewood is i moved far away from chuck's But I'm going to get there soon over this pandemic and cannot wait to try the Jambalaya or the Coach Anita Pabil again. So go to chuckscafe.com. They've got locations in Burbank and Darien. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you very, very soon, hopefully with some sort of announcement about hockey's return. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by
0: Fry the Coop. Go to hellobonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's hellobonafide.com and code RADIO39.
1: These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only.
2: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at
1: this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm -mm, Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's.